Welcome to The Torch. This is Brian Gibbs. Today we are bringing a tribute for my dad who just stepped into heaven uh, just two weeks ago. Also going to be speaking about the Asbury Revival, the fire that is spreading from there throughout college campuses throughout our country. Also talking about the brand new Jesus Revolution movie and the church contending now in our time, in our era, for personal revival and national awakening. All of that today on The Torch Podcast. Welcome to The Torch. So Oh man, so good to be with you. Josiah and I are in the studio. Uh, it's been many weeks uh, since I've been able to sit behind the desk and to be with all of you. Those of you that are listening, welcome. Those of you that are watching, welcome. Um, wow, it's been a radical, wild ride uh, in, in the last month. I think, uh, Josiah, it must be at least a, a month since we've been in here. And uh, so much transition. Of course, I'm going to be talking about that today um, concerning just my dad's most recent uh, transition into heaven. So much we're going to be going over today. I want to open in prayer. I want to open in the word. And again, we're just we're just so blessed that you're with us. It's going to be a power. I believe it's going to be a very powerful broadcast, very powerful episode this week. And I want to thank you again for making it a priority and joining us. So, Father, Father, we just thank you today for your awesome, beautiful presence, Lord, that is here with us in the studio, that's with our listening audience, those that are viewing today. I pray, Lord, for the anointing of the Holy Spirit, just your tangible, manifest presence to be upon us. And, Lord, for you to strengthen every one of the believers today. Lord, strengthen my brothers and sisters, bless them, strengthen them in their divine assignment. Lord, refresh them in every way. Anoint them afresh with your holy oil today. Fill them up. Let the joy of the Lord carry us today. Be strengthened today as you listen, as you view. And I just pray, Lord, your, your joy would just flow uh, through my heart. Um, and I just thank you. It's so good, Lord. So good to be here. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on. If you're out there, can you shout an amen? Yes, you know I can't hear you, but I'm, I'm believing you're shouting that amen. Here's the word of the Lord. <clears throat> Powerful scripture I think that we don't, we don't often meditate on every day, but it says in Psalm 116, verse 15, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his faithful servants. Let me read that again over you. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his faithful servants. Uh, opening up this broadcast, I just want to give, um, I want to take some time, give a tribute to my dad, my dad and my mom. And um, um, many of you know, my dad went to go go be with the Lord and went to heaven. It was February the 12th. It was Sunday, actually, Super Bowl Sunday, actually. Um, my dad was 70 years, 70 years young, and uh, I was with my dad. I was with my mom, my brother, um, two weeks ago, right now, at my dad's side. 
And um, the Lord answered that prayer that I could be right there with my dad, my mom, my brother, commissioning him home. Uh, we did the celebration of life service uh, just two weeks ago this time in the burial. Um, just so, uh, honestly, friends, we have everything, everything in the world to be thankful for. We have everything we need in the Lord. Um, and, and my dad is in no more pain, no more suffering, no more in the body of affliction. Furthermore, my dad is not dead. My, my dad is alive forevermore in Jesus. You know, my dad, my dad said, Brian, I want you to make me a promise. He said, he said, Brian, after I transition and I'm gone and I step into heaven, he said, when people come to you and say, hey, I'm, I'm sorry your dad died or I'm sorry your dad is dead. Or he said, listen, don't let that go unchecked. And that's just like my dad to say, <laughs> say something like that. He said, he said, Brian, don't let that go unchecked. He said, you tell them your dad is not dead. You tell them your dad is alive forevermore with Jesus. And why? Because my dad believed Jesus' words. John 11, verse 25, 26, Jesus said, I am the resurrection, I, I am the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Those were the words of Jesus. Well, I can tell you assuredly, my dad believed that with all of his heart, and I believe that with all of my heart. Um, my, my dad knew the Lord. He, um, he walked with the Lord intimately. He loved God. He loved God's word oh, with all of his heart and with all the ability and strength that he had. Um, my dad's testimony of the saving grace of the Lord went far and went wide. And it was a true story, is a true story of, of divine transformation, a journey of transformation. And uh, my, my dad loved the Lord. I mean, he, he loved people genuinely. And so I'm gonna share a little bit about his story today. We've got a number of things that I'm gonna move into, but I wanna share a little bit of his story, our family story. And um, some may know, uh, my, my dad was actually diagnosed uh, stage four cancer and was given about six months or so to live in August of 2022. It was just before our Glory and Fire Conference here in Sarasota. Um, I, my wife and I were hosting Dutch Sheets and Pastor John Kilpatrick, uh, who are very close, very dear to us. They were coming in for a conference, and we had literally just got the diagnosis days before the conference, and um, that that was uh, that was challenging, very challenging. And on the other side of the conference, I began to go back and forth uh, up to Illinois uh, to be with my dad, be with my mom, my brother, uh, and then with the hospice team uh, that came in. It was very, it was very tender time, very tender, very special, very challenging. Um, I was able to take my wife and, and I and, and my, my kids, who are not kids, they're adults, um, with us to Illinois in November of last year in the fall uh, to have a wonderful time uh, with my dad before um, he really turned uh, more into the immediacy of knowing that death was, was soon coming. But um, I've, I've honored my mom. Of course, you know, the, the celebration of life is two weeks behind us, you know, in his burial. But I, 
I really do want to honor my mom today. Uh, she is she's the hero in this story. Uh, she just took amazing care. Uh, her love, her tenderness, um, her sweetness. I saw Jesus in my mom, and I really want to honor my mom and my brother Joey uh, for all of their care. I want to honor the hospice care team, and. Um, and of course, I was part of that as well, uh, tending to my dad's needs and loving him. And they kept uh, my dad in his home, my mom and dad's home there. The hospice team did inc incredible. And so all through the fall months, and then we were, we were amazed. Dad made it through Christmas, through New Year's, uh, through my wife's birthday in January. And then uh, the, the turn came. Uh, in February, and we knew it was it was com coming imminent. <clears throat> and on February 12th, Dad stepped right into heaven, and we were able to commission him home. And um, hey, I I miss my dad. <laughs> I miss my dad a lot. Um, but I'm so thankful he is with the Lord, and I have every assurance of that. And I have the peace of the Lord that so transcends natural human understanding. Uh, throughout these these last months, uh, back in Illinois, I've been able to spend a lot of quality time with my dad. Um, personal talks, very tender talks, sobering talks, um, just beautiful times with him and the Lord, reading the word uh, over him, um, praying over him, praying with one another, uh, listening to one another, telling stories, reminding us of, of great things. Uh, before my dad uh, lost his voice and wasn't able to talk at that point. But I, I, was, uh, I was able to go through a lot of my dad's Bibles. There's one special time that I just, just tr I will treasure the rest of my life. And I'm so thankful. I've had my dad in my life for 50 years. I'm about to turn 50. I've had my dad all of these years. Some men lose their fathers or daughters lose their fathers, you know, at 10 years old, 20, 30 had my dad 50 years uh, in my life, and I'm so grateful. But I was able to go through my dad's Bibles and look through them and read his personal notes, read decades and decades of notes, and um, little little revelation, excuse me, <clears throat> little revelations that he received from the Lord that he had written in the margins of the scriptures and. Um, personal notes of people that he had led to the Lord, names of people that he had led to Christ. And, um, and in reality, uh, this is absolutely no exaggeration at all. And, and many people that, that listen to this podcast have known my dad for decades. Um, it's no exaggeration. My dad is responsible for leading thousands of people to Christ. He became a mighty warrior for the Lord, a mighty soul winner, um, through many outreaches, through his street ministry, through preaching, through festivals, through radio programs, um, television ministry, traveling to speak. Um, he led thousands of people to the Lord, to the glory of God. That's my dad would always say that to the glory of God. Um, and God wonderfully used my dad's life, and it is a testimony of God's grace, a testimony of God's power. 
And in my, my dad's Bibles were all these, these personal prayers and revelations that he received from the Holy Spirit and underlined passages that he, he studied so hard over and over, out, outlines of old sermons that he had preached. And to me, friend, all of that is so priceless, priceless to me. My, uh, my dad's favorite books of the Bible were the book of John and the book of Ephesians. Uh, my dad's favorite passage was out of Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with the heart one believes unto righteousness. What does that mean? That means you come into right standing with God. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. It's my dad's favorite scripture. Of course, he used that with thousands of people leading them to the Lord. And um, again, my, 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 dad, my dad loved and treasured his family deeply. Uh, he loved my mom. He loved my brother, Joey. He loved me. Um, he didn't want to leave us. Uh, he wasn't afraid of death whatsoever. He was ready to be with the Lord. Uh, he loved my wife, Bren, so much. Loved our, our children. He loved his grandchildren. Um, and what was great is my dad expressed his love. And I'm thankful that I had a father that throughout his life actually learned how to express his love genuinely. And because of it, um, we are very, very blessed. A few things about my dad, and I, I am going to share some of his testimony today and also some powerful miracles. Um, my dad loved the outdoors. Um, so do I. Uh, he loved being in the sunshine. Uh, him and John Denver. Yes, you're welcome, John Denver. <laughs> sunshine. Okay, you got it. Uh, my dad loved sunshine. He loved being in the outdoors. Uh, he loved fishing. My dad loved cooking. Oh, my dad was a great cook. Uh, he loved barbecuing. He loved ribs. <laughs> my dad loved bonfires. He loved reading his Bibles. He loved winning souls to Jesus. Uh, Dad loved sharing testimonies about the power of God, um, the grace of God. My dad um, loved discipling new believers. My dad, he was so good at that. He was so patient with new believers. My dad loved traveling with my mom, uh, all of their trips throughout the country. My, my dad loved taking my mom for trips, uh, especially their trip to California years ago. They had an epic journey. My dad loved listening to good music uh, and eating good food. And my wife and I were talking about this the other day. My dad was really good with kids, I, and I'm so thankful for that. He was really good with kids. He was really good with animals. <laughs> and he was really good with new believers in Christ. And I uh, just wanted to teach them and instruct them and learn how to work the Word and, and how to answer uh, by the Word and through the Word, how to have confidence of your salvation and your sonship and your identity in Christ. And my dad, my dad loved that, just saturated himself in that. And um, I had a special thing a few months ago before my dad's uh, passing. I was able to actually visit the house where our family encountered the Lord, where we were born again. It was literally one block from the funeral home where I did the celebration of life service for my dad. 
also one block away, that house is one block away from the church, uh, Grace Methodist in my hometown, where 50 years ago, March 10th, this month, March 10th, uh, 50 years ago, my mom and dad were married there. My mom was 17 years old. My dad was 20 years old. And um, some of their testimony, my, my, my mom and dad met when they were young in life. Uh, my mom had just turned 13 on July 31st, and then the next day was August 1st. It was my dad's 16th birthday. They met at a park in our local town. It was uh, August of 1969. My dad was from a family of six boys, um, a really challenging, challenging upbringing, very difficult uh, household. Um, my mom was from a family of four girls. So here's my dad from a, a, a family of six boys. My mom's from a family of four girls. She was from a peaceful house, a Norwegian house and family, um, wonderful family. But in, in 1973, uh, all of us know, of course, that was the Roe v. Wade year. 1973 was, was a huge year for my mom. She was a senior in high school. Um, in March of 73, she marries my dad at 17 years of age. Um, she's pregnant with me at the time as a senior in high school, riding the school bus in the back of the bus, pregnant with me. Imagine that, 1973, 17 years old, pregnant. She marries my dad in March. She graduates high school in May of 1973 and then gives birth to me in August of 1973. Huge year for my mom, huge year, and my dad as well. Um, uh, the first seven years of my mom and dad's marriage, um, it was beautiful, but it was also very, very intense. Um, they, in their young life, they started running together. My dad was in a rock and roll band with uh, his brothers, and um, that atmosphere, the rock and roll lifestyle, the drugs, the alcohol, um, it, it was just a recipe for disaster. It, it ruined my mom and dad's marriage. There was, there was a lot of difficulty because of the alcohol, because of the drugs, um, that there was violence in the home and um, lot, lots of challenges. Uh, my mom and dad had only been in church one day of their life. It was the day that they got married. So they, they, they didn't know the Lord. They didn't know anything about the gospel didn't know anything about the, the goodness of God, the cross, the blood of Jesus, nothing. They, they didn't know. Um, at that time, um, throughout those first seven years of their marriage, um, they, they loved each other, um, but the marriage fell apart, and uh, they, they were broken people. Uh, my dad's best friend at that time um, was also murdered, and horribly murdered and um, thankfully my dad was not with him that night and so uh, things were really spinning out of control at our house and uh, my my mom and dad decided that this was the end and they were going to divorce one another and uh, from time to time my mom and I would move out we would live with my grandparents uh, but my mom explained to me this time we would move out uh, for good. We would live with grandma and grandpa. And we packed up everything and prepared everything. My mom prepared the divorce papers downtown and um, had talked through things with my dad for him to meet uh, with her at the courthouse to sign the papers. 
and um, <clears throat> things were just things were extremely difficult. Um, and my my mom and dad were just broken. The marriage the marriage was coming to an end, and so uh, the the divorce papers were drawn up. Uh, my mom and dad had made that decision. My dad had come home from work. They talked everything through, and um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna back up for just a moment. <clears throat> as as all of this was developing, my dad was no longer traveling with his brothers in the band and. We were not at that time in rock and roll clubs and everywhere at that time. My dad had taken a, uh, a job uh, on a construction site and he was stacking steel uh, with a crane and he was watching uh, this foreman every day as, as, as you control the crane, you're watching the foreman. And when he came on the job, he'd been on that job for about three weeks and they told him when he was hired, they said, listen, you need, you need to watch out for this guy, uh, Miles Black. And Miles Black was a 6'2", 6'3", African-American, full of God, full of the Holy Ghost, barrel chest, uh, a, a real man. Um, and they warned my dad. They said, listen, he's a preacher. And if you get around him, he's going to preach to you. And, and my, of course, my dad didn't know anything and um <clears throat> about the lord and so just thought well what whatever and so uh miles had come into my dad's life and was the foreman there so every day my dad would have to watch uh miles giving him hand signals to stack the steel in place while my dad ran the crane and so my dad's on this new job and Every day he's there with Miles. And so now I'm going to um, take you forward a little bit more. Um, the, the divorce papers were signed. Um, my dad was going to get off work the next morning uh, from, from the construction site, leave, meet my mom at noon, sign the divorce papers, and my mom and I were going to move out. And um, that dad had come home that day, and finally mom said I could go back and see my dad um, she she had explained to me um, what was happening, what a divorce was. I was I was just broken. I was a child. I was I was broken. Uh, I knew my mom and dad's uh, marriage and relationship was in a terrible place. I did not want them to separate. Um, and so I went in and uh, was was weeping over my dad, just begging him not to go. I told him I didn't want to live with my grandparents, and he was promising me that he would see me. He would come out and see me at my grandparents' home, and even at that point in, in my small childhood life, I, I didn't believe it. Um, I didn't believe that he would come out and see me. I was afraid of their separation, and it, it, was, it, was, it was hopeless. So um, my dad finally just peeled me off of him, asked me to leave the room, told me he had to get up early for work the next morning, and um, I walked away from my dad. The door was shut. <clears throat> this is just how it happened. I walked towards the door and suddenly the entire room filled up with the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now I didn't know I didn't know it was the presence of the Holy Spirit. I just I knew it had filled up. And it was tangible. The spirit of God was all over me. Uh, when I reached for the door handle, it just suddenly filled up and this presence came upon me of the Lord. And I turned around, I looked at my dad and he, he suddenly sat up in bed and looked at me and out of my mouth came these words. I said, dad, God wants me to say something to you. He said, what? I said, dad, God wants me to say something to you. And he said, son, please say it, say it. 
I said, Dad, you will never find true happiness in this life until you give your life to Jesus Christ. He is the one that you are looking for. All of the running around, all of the things that you're engaged in. And I, I went through them. I, I literally was speaking like a mature grown adult and telling him the things that he was engaged in. I said, you'll never find true happiness in this life, Dad. Jesus is the one that you are looking for. And lastly, I said, Dad, if you do not give your life to Jesus soon, you will die and you will go to hell. I turned around, opened the door, ran down the hall, jumped on the couch. I had no idea what that meant. No idea. You could have said, Brian, what'd you say to your dad? I could have told you what I said to my dad. If you would have said, what does that mean? I had no idea what that meant. And it was by the spirit of the Lord. The next morning, my dad gets up, goes to the construction site and Miles is there. And um, again, my dad had been watching Miles uh, every day, you know, as he's stacking steel. And while he's watching Miles, Miles mouth is moving the whole time. And, and my dad's like, what in the world is with this guy? You know, he, he thought he was, you know, beside himself. What my dad didn't know is that Miles was interceding over my dad every day of those three weeks on the job site, interceding over his life, his soul, calling my dad into the kingdom of God. And so that morning, my dad arrives at work. Uh, if, if my dad was here, he would tell you he was devastated. He was broken. broken. He, was, he was reeling through what I said to him the night before. He was devastated that he was about to lose his marriage, lose the only things that he had ever loved, my mom and myself. My, my brother was yet to be born at that time. And um, my dad was going to leave at noon to sign the divorce papers. And at 1015, the first morning break, Miles Black walked up to my dad. He said, Dave, I have a message for you. And he said, uh, who's the message from? And Miles said, the message is from God. <laughs> he said, okay, Mr. Preacher Man. Okay, what does God have to say to me? He pointed his finger in my dad's face. That wasn't something you, you were to do either. He pointed, my, he pointed his finger in my dad's face. He said, Dave, did you listen what your little boy said to you last night in your bedroom. And he said, what did you say to me? He said, you heard me. Did you listen what your little boy said to you last night in your bedroom? He said, Dave, what I'm about to tell you, you're not fully going to understand, but I've been praying for you every day, ever since you walked onto this job site, I've been interceding and praying over you. And he said, Dave, last night I was praying over your life and I had an open vision of your bedroom and your little boy walked into your bedroom and before he walked out, this is what he said. And in that moment, he told my dad word for word for word for word what I said in that bedroom. And he said, lastly, he said, Dave, your son is right. If you do not give your life to Jesus Christ soon, you will die and go straight to hell. He turned around, walked away from my dad. Wow. Uh, terrified my dad. He, he was he was shocked. He was stunned. What, what does this even mean? Die and go to hell. He had already lost, you know, his best friend that was murdered. My dad was contemplating everything about his life, his existence, everything. And so dad doesn't <clears throat> dad doesn't get off work early to go sign the divorce papers at noon where my mom is now waiting for him. 
uh, to sign the papers with him for the finalization of the divorce. He goes straight home, locks himself in his room. He does this for three straight weeks. He, he goes to work, he comes home. He goes to work, comes home, locks himself in. My mom and I don't move out. My mom's stunned. You know, why didn't you show up at the courthouse? What are you doing? My dad would not talk to mom. So every day from that, from that encounter with Miles at the site, my dad would go to work and Miles would just pull out his little pocket New Testament. And for the first time in my dad's life at 27 years old, he heard the gospel, excuse me, my dad heard the gospel for the very first time at 27 years of age, and Miles read to him the Gospels and told him about the love of God, shared about the, the, the grace of God, the power of the blood, the cross, and just taught my dad. And after three weeks, my, my dad asked the question in, in, in the way that he knew how, but his question was, what do I do with all of this? I, you know, how do I receive Jesus? This answer today still baffles me. Miles said, Dave, I'm not going to tell you what to do. You're going to know what to do. And my dad went home that day and it was November 27th, 1979 at 3.30 in the morning on Caroline Street, Pekin, Illinois. My dad got out of bed and he cried out to God. And he asked God to forgive him of his sins, to wash him clean, to become a son. And he dedicated his heart and life to serve Jesus and follow Jesus. My dad was powerfully, powerfully born again in that room that morning, November 27th, 1979. My, um, my dad subsequently subsequent, leads my, my mother to the Lord two weeks later um she's 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 saying dave what has happened to you you're scaring me oh my gosh what has happened to you and he said karen i'm saved and she's like what are you talking about saved saved from what what are what are you talking about and he tells my mom the story how the night before they were to sign the papers how i came how brian came into the room and this is what he said and how he went to work the next day miles black tells him everything he, he tells my mother how Miles has been reading the scripture. says, my dad is telling her the gospels, telling her about the love of God. And so my dad leads my mom to the Lord in the same room where he came to the Lord in that little house uh, that, that I actually got to walk in just a couple months ago. Uh, amazingly, the Lord set it up completely uh, that I was able to walk in that house. The house was completely empty. And I was able to go in there and be in that room, have a time of prayer, walk through the whole house. I hadn't been in that room since I was, or that, that house, since I was seven years of age, uh, 43 years ago. Um, incredible, just incredible. Um, soon after that, um, April, April 6, 1980, uh, at a little Baptist church, I gave my life to the Lord. Um, the Gibbs family was uh, going through an epic transformation and um, because my dad had dropped out of high school, um, he took his first major job at Paps Brewery, which that's a whole other story of how uh, my dad became an alcoholic and uh, bound, bound by it. And uh, like, like his father and family before, 
my, my dad was passed along through each grade of school or with oral exam. Uh, he was, he had no reading skills, really, really struggled with comprehension deficit, but could not read. And so my mom and dad were saved. Uh, we're, in, we're in this little Baptist church. My mom is reading the book of Acts to us. And uh, they had, of course, an epiphany from the Lord that they needed the Holy Spirit. They needed this power in their life to overcome sin. They were saved. They were in the kingdom. They're just two months old in the Lord. and But they still have addictions in their lives. They, they still have sin trouble. And so... Um, though my dad couldn't read, the book of Acts was open. We went to the little Baptist church. We asked the pastor, my dad asked the pastor, tell us about this. Tell us about the Holy Spirit. Um, he was met with a, unfortunately, a really harsh rebuke, uh, and was told that speaking in tongues is of the devil. Uh, don't you ever talk about that in this church or we're going to kick you out. And my, uh, my dad said, oh, there's no need for that. We'll, we'll just leave. And so we, we were only a few months old in the Lord. We've already left our first church. And so, <laughs> so just like God, he never abandons, abandons us. He finds us where we're at and, and maneuvers us. And, uh, uh, long story, my, my, uh, my mom and I are watching this broadcast called it's a miracle. It's a local program there, uh, in our town at first assembly of God with uh, pastor Ron Callahan. And, uh, we didn't know it, but my, my dad was at his brother Mike's house and he was watching the broadcast at the same time as my mom at our home. And the story was about a little boy uh, who had a disease and the, his lungs was being deteriorated. The church went into a 40-day fast and um, it was the associate pastor's little baby boy who was dying. One lung had collapsed. The other lung was about to collapse. The baby was going to die. They, they, they're anointing the boy with oil. They're in a 40-day fast. Long story short, God gives this little baby boy two brand new lungs now, this is going live on the television broadcast. Of course, we had never heard of anything like this ever. Uh, in fact, that little boy's name is David Carrington. He pastored my home church in, in Illinois as he grew up. He lives in Orlando right now, him and his wife and children. But uh, my mom and dad called the hotline at the same time. Um, radical, hilarious story. Um, we ended up going that Sunday to the Assembly of God Church, and this is 1980. Uh, the church is pulsating with the power of God, the Word of God, the Spirit of the Lord, um, running about 1,500 people at that time. And they come in, and um, I, I'll, they had a full band. You know, we, we left this little Baptist church of 10 people, four pews, and an organ, and we walked into this church of 1,500 people, a full band, people raising their hands, people in the altars, people, just people everywhere going after God. The Spirit of the Lord was there and the Spirit of God was in that room, just like he was in my dad's bedroom that night. Um, my mom and dad were powerfully baptized in the Holy Spirit that weekend. My dad was filled with the Holy Spirit in the altar. My mom uh, did not receive in the altars. We went to the grocery store afterwards. My mom was walking down the canned foods aisle, went to pick up a can of pork and beans, and got wiped out by the Holy Spirit, was powerfully baptized in the Holy Spirit. Um, the, well, the, the proof of the proof is in the pudding after the baptism of the Holy spirit, every addiction in my mom and dad's life was completely erased. 
um, the Lord delivered them from ju just addiction after addiction. They were set free. Um, my dad, the next morning, heard the Lord speak to him. And uh, Holy Spirit told him to go get the book that they gave him. It was a little gospel of John that he had received right after he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. They gave him the book. And of course, my, my dad couldn't read. And so when the Lord said, go in there and get that book, he, he, he actually thought it was the devil tormenting him and making fun of him. And uh, then the Lord spoke to him again. And then a third time, my dad went in, brought the book out, uh, opened the book up and instantly began to read. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And instantly my dad was reading um, just profound miracle after miracle after miracle began to happen um, through my dad's relationship with Pastor Callahan and some other men, uh, men of God in the region and church. My dad became the director of Jesus, Jesus Today Outreach downtown Peoria, Illinois, and uh, built a staff there, uh, built the momentum of the outreach, had outreach everywhere in the streets where thousands of lives were saved, um, traveling ministry, um, full gospel businessmen meetings, all, just revival meetings all over. Um, I saw powerful, powerful signs and wonders, radical things. Uh, and I'm going to share a, a few of them in just a moment. Because uh, I, I could I could speak all day. We're we're 35 minutes deep into the podcast, and uh, I could share till the sun comes up tomorrow about about the miraculous. Um, but soon after uh, we were baptized in the Holy Spirit, uh, and and I was as well. Um, we we had an experience. Our house was on the Illinois River, right on the Illinois River. The river flowed south. Our house was three blocks north of the. Uh, Pekin Bridge. So the river flows south. We live three blocks north of the bridge. And one particular night, uh, there was a sound in the backyard late at night. Um, we were in the midst of a horrible drought in Illinois. The river had dropped down to historical uh, low levels. And um, I had heard a sound in the backyard. I ran into my mom and dad's room, told them there's a, someone or something's in the backyard. My dad flew out of bed uh, ran to the back, uh, reached out into the darkness and pulled, pulled this person. We didn't know at the time it was a woman. We didn't know that because this individual was covered with thick river mud, really thick. All you could see was the little whites of her eyes. She was covered in thick, thick, thick river mud from head to toe. And so uh, my dad brings her into the kitchen. My mom calls the police uh, it took a long time for the woman to even speak. She was in so much shock. She finally was able to speak. She said that she was on the other side of the river, um, had been through a, a horrible breakup in a relationship. She decided to kill herself. She, she went as fast as she could. She turned the wheel. She threw her car into a cornfield. The car went end over end over end over end. She gets out without a scratch, walks out of the cornfield, looks to see the bridge. She walks up to the bridge. She takes her shoes off. She jumps off the bridge. She said, the last thing I remember was I took my shoes off. I said, I'm ending my life here. She jumps off. She hits the water. She goes deep pancakes into the river mud. She opens her eyes and suddenly she's standing at our back door looking at the sign 
on our back door that says, as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. Um, ladies and gentlemen, angels, angels pick that woman up out of that mud, carried her three blocks north of the bridge. The river flows south. Let's just say the river was at, at full capacity level. She would have went down for miles, 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 miles. Well, we live three blocks north of the bridge. I know and believe that the angels of God picked that woman up out of the mud and transferred her to our back door. And she sat in our kitchen where my dad led her to the Lord. And uh, the cops found her car and found her shoes at the bridge, everything. That began to just trigger a domino effect of miracles that began to happen in our young life in Christ. Uh, just just absolutely supernatural. Um, I wanted to tell this testimony um, before we, I, I kind of just segue over into what's happening with Asbury and the campuses just being lit all over the country. I want to tell, tell this one last testimony, um, probably, probably one of the most powerful testimonies. Um, I witnessed it with my own eyes. And um, at the Celebration of Life, we Celebration of Life service for my dad. There, there was a lot of people sitting in the back telling stories, uh, of testimonies of miracles uh, through my dad's life to, to the glory of God. And they asked me, they said, Brian, what, what, is, what is probably your most powerful testimony with your dad uh, that you witnessed? And, and though I could grab a whole bunch, I said, okay, I'm gonna tell this one story and, and I'm gonna share that, of course, here at the podcast today before we close. So uh, I was probably 14 or 15 years of age. Our family had went to Bushnell, Illinois. We were at a campground, beautiful lake, and my dad and I had swam out to the dock, and uh, the dock uh, was buoyed off in the back where you couldn't, you weren't supposed to dive off the back of it, and the lifeguards were out there. There were, it was the dock was loaded with people and. Dad and I had been swimming out there and people are, you know, diving off of the dock and swimming, you know, and doing the diving boards and everything. And so dad and I are laying on the dock together, just getting suntans. We're laying right next to each other. And all of a sudden dad jumps up and dives off the back of the dock where you're not supposed to swim. That is clearly buoyed off. The lifeguards are right there. I, I jump up and I thought, well, I thought surely, you know, my dad's He's just playing around with me. He probably, he's probably swimming under the raft. He's going to come out the other side. And so I, I go to the front of the dock, and he doesn't come up. I go, to the, I go to the left side. I go to the right side. I look at the front again, and he's not coming up. And I started to get worried, like, wow, where's my dad? What's happening? Or is he, is he, is he under the dock playing with me? So I walk to the back of the dock where my dad had dove in and suddenly bursting out of the surface of the water, my dad is holding a man who is dead. He is lifeless. The lifeguards run over my dad screaming at them, take this man, they grab him, his lifeless body, they throw him, because he was heavy, they, they throw his body, his, his body hit that wood, I'll never forget it. He was gone. His limbs, oh, my dad jumps out of the water, lays his hands on this man and commands him to come to life in Jesus' name. And suddenly that man's eyes pop open. He was brought back to life. 
my dad and I were laying on the dock and the Holy Spirit said, Dave, a man has just drowned back behind the dock. Dive in now and find him. My dad dove in. My dad told me the story. He was down at the bottom. The lake wasn't really deep. He, he was down, down there in the bottom, but he was losing his breath because he was, he was frantically feeling, trying to feel around and finally felt the guy's head and grabbed him and, and, and anchored himself underneath of him and pushed as hard as he could off of the bottom and then broke through the surface with the guy. I saw that happen before my very eyes. I was probably 14, 15 years of age. I'll never forget it. I'm almost 50 years of age, and it feels like I'm sitting on the dock right now. Um, my, it's just amazing the way that throughout life, the way that my dad was able to hear the Lord, hear the Holy Spirit. Um, powerful testimony of God's greatness and God using everyday people and God using his friends. Um, I'm not here to tell you that my dad is some superhero. He is not. <laughs> uh, we're, we're nobody's hero. Jesus is the hero. But I watched my dad be used by God in such extraordinary ways throughout life um, to become a powerful soul winner, a lover of God, a lover of people, a discipler of, of new believers just awesome. And I just, uh, today I just want to honor my dad's life. I want to honor his legacy, um, his testimony. I want to honor my mom today. Um, just so thankful for the goodness of God in our lives. I, 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 I can't even imagine where we would be without the Lord. Um, we have everything in the world to be thankful for. God is so good. So good. So I want to I want to segue for the next few moments before we're, we're going to we're going to just close out here in the next few minutes. But the Asbury revival, um, of course, I spoke on this um, at Victory this this past Saturday night. Um, and I'm and I'm sure a lot of this listening or watching audience has been seeing what is happening at Asbury Theological Seminary and Asbury University there in Wilmore, Texas, little town of 8000 people where now tens of thousands thousands of people have have landed on the grounds because of this outbreak of students pressing in seeking the Lord this waves of God's presence of brokenness uh, encountering the Holy Spirit students being freshly touched by God students just standing up confessing sin wanting cleansing wanting a clean conscience wanting to be right with God now we're seeing this spread uh, throughout the country, uh, campus after campus of, of just it's it's igniting in a ground sweeping swell. Um, you know, no famous preachers, none of that. I, I know a lot of you have studied what's or studied or looked into everything that's going on there. It's it's just a pure, raw move of the presence of God and people encountering Jesus. And now Campus after campus is experiences where, experiences where tens of thousands of people, and perhaps far more than that, uh, are now encountering the Lord, being freshly touched. Um, the other night, my wife and I, we went to the Jesus Revolution movie. And this is this, I'm going to connect this with the Asbury uh, outpouring. Um, I, I was I was so impacted by the film. My wife and I were blown away. If you have not seen the Jesus Revolution movie, you need to see it. And it encapsulates the Jesus people movement of the of the late 60s, 
early 70s, how the Spirit of God was moving amongst specifically, uh, again, college campuses. It broke out in, in San Francisco, broke out at Berkeley, then moved south uh, into Southern California, but specifically amongst the hippies. And what happened at Calvary Chapel uh, with Pastor Chuck Smith and uh, with Lonnie Frisbee and, and then others, the story is just magnificent. Um, and going into the film, I knew a lot, a whole lot. I've studied that revival, studied that time. Of course, know people right out of the Jesus People movement. But at the end of the movie, um, I'm in the restroom and I'm washing my hands next to this guy. And I look at him in the mirror. He's an older seasoned gentleman. And uh, he's just visibly, tangibly touched. He's got tears in his eyes. I've got tears in my eyes. And I, I turned to him and I said, all I have to say to you is, Lord, do it again. And, and with fire and fervency, his response was, yes, Lord, do it again. This man was 86 years old. His name was Ken. He was from Cincinnati, Ohio. And uh, we, just, we just became instant friends. He said to me, he said, have you heard what God is doing at Asbury? I said, oh, yes, I have. He said his grandson had called him that morning and his grandson thought there was around 50,000 people on the grounds of Asbury at that time. Guys, God, God is doing something fresh. Uh, my encouragement to all of you listening or watching is leave the critics in the dust. Be, be at a place where you, you celebrate the moving of the Holy Spirit on any level where you see the tangible presence of God coming, where there is humility, where there is brokenness, repentance of sin, where people are encountering the Lord, my friend, be at a place where you celebrate it. Don't stand with the critics. Don't stand with the Pharisees and, you know, and going with all of their ideas or it doesn't measure up to their standard of revival. Uh, and a lot of the critics out there, you can tell they haven't even studied revival history. So I just say in not, not making myself an expert whatsoever, I just say with humility, rejoice over what God is doing. And I ask you afresh, contend for your own personal revival and contend wherever you're at, whatever state you're in, whatever region you're in, wherever you're at here in Florida or you're in, you're in other nations. There's, there's many people that listen to this broadcast in other nations. I ask you to contend on a very personal level for fresh outpouring, fresh revival where you're at on a very personal human level first with the Holy Spirit and then also contend for national awakening. And where we're at, ladies and gentlemen, we believe with all of our heart, America is going to be saved. Hallelujah. You know, where we're at right now, today is March the 2nd. This broadcast will be released tomorrow, March 3rd, 2023. But today, five years ago, the world was watching and celebrating Billy Graham's life, his legacy of soul winning, a masterful, powerful evangelist, celebrating his life, celebrating his legacy of millions, guys, millions of souls that gave their lives to Jesus through Billy Graham's ministry by the power of the Holy Spirit. What we are praying is that God would prepare 
more Billy Grahams. God, give us young men, young women everywhere that can be mantled to become a messenger, a voice for God, an evangelist to preach the gospel to America and to the nations. That's what we need in this hour. Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15, it says this, How then can they call on the one who they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one whom they have not yet heard? And how can they hear, and yes, unless, excuse me, without someone preaching to them, how can anyone preach unless they are sent? And as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. What's the scripture saying? The apostle Paul is saying, we have to have messengers. How are they going to know unless messengers are sent? How will they be saved unless there's the proclamation of the gospel, the power of the gospel? And I'm telling you, that's what embodied my dad. My dad was a messenger. My dad was a voice. My dad was a soul winner. How will people know unless we are sent out to preach the gospel? Guys, my prayer today is that God would raise up fresh voices, fresh messengers, young people, preachers, ministers of the gospel, men and women for the harvest of the ages before the return of King Jesus. Here's what Jesus said in closing today. Matthew chapter 9. Love these words. Matthew 9, verses 35 through 38. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. And when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion for them because they were wearied and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, truly, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray of the Lord of the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. That is our prayer today. Lord, send out laborers. That Greek word for send out is the word ekbelo. And in the Greek, it means this. It means to thrust forth, to cast out, or to take by force and thrust them out into the harvest fields. I'll never forget this. Um, it was April 2013. I was preaching in Dallas, Texas at Christ for the Nations. And then the following night um, after my night was Lou Engle. And Lou Engle preached that night on being ekbelloed, being thrusted out, cast out. He preached literally out of that text right there, Matthew 9, about being sent out, thrusted out into the harvest fields. Guys, that's what we are contending for, believing that God will not only prepare the harvesters, that they'll be sent out, but also God will prepare the disciplers, the trainers, the mentors, so that they can come into the presence of the Lord. They can come into the family of God. They can find a place of teaching, a place of mentoring, a place of being fathered and mothered and loved and learned the word of God. I believe we are coming into, and you, you know our heart here at Victory. You know our heart, our partners across the country with Light the Fire Ministries who have been with us for decades. You know that our heart burns for true, pure revival and national awakening here in America and for generational reformation. I believe we are seeing the beginnings of a fresh move of God 
right out of Wilmore, Kentucky, 50 miles away from the great Cane Ridge revival of 1801 and the great awakening here in America. Once again, God is moving. Celebrate it. Celebrate it. Enter into it. Be a part. God has a part, a place for you. God has written you into the story of this next great outpouring. Friends, today, I'm so glad that you've been with us. Um, it's a blessing for me and Josiah to be back in the studio today. This has been so good. Thank you for taking the time. Uh, so many, th Those of you that have written me, thank you so much for just your encouragement, knowing what, what, what we've been walking through as a family, uh, praying for us. Your prayers mean everything. The ministry of the Holy Spirit and the prayers of God's people have literally been carrying me and my family. And now that we are through this time, being able to be here back in the studio, uh, lighting the torch strong here again in 2023, um, just thank you so much. And um, Father, I just, I just thank you and praise you for this time together. Thank you for friends. Thank you for new friends, Lord. Thank you for, for new partners of our ministry. I pray, Lord, that you will take this episode It'll go far and wide. It'll point people to Jesus. It'll point people to the glory of God, the goodness of God, the power of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, that you would use it to ignite lives, transform lives, refresh people in their divine assignment everywhere. Friend, I bless you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And until we meet again, I wanna remind you the future doesn't belong to the God-haters. The future doesn't belong to the God mockers. Oh, no, it does not. The future belongs to the righteous, and the righteous are bold as lions. Until I see you again, keep the fire burning.